It's good to see everybody out tonight. I uh, just want to let everybody know that this afternoon, uh, Carl Jones, uh, who's been visiting with us, was baptized into Christ, and so we're very happy for that. He's not here tonight because he had to work, and so uh, he's hoping to be here Wednesday. So. Everyone can meet him, but uh, that is a wonderful news, or I think it's a wonderful news for all of us. We know the angels in heaven rejoice, and all of us should also rejoice in his uh, determination to live a Christian life. I'm not sure who got wetter in the, in the uh, baptism because I came out soaked. Nothing like standing in the water and feeling that water go through those... Uh, uh, waders and it filling up your shoes, and when you're done, you just uh, kind of soaked. You know, so uh, then I went over to Elizabeth's and got peed on by Logan. <laughs> so it was one of those water days. <clears throat> this past week, I don't know if you heard, but there was a representative whose daughter passed away. And from the way the the note or the information stated, she had gone out with some friends the night before, came home and talked to her mom and dad, and then went to bed and didn't wake up. And that would be a very sad situation. I'm sure there's some that want to speculate as to what's going on or what happened. But the fact of the matter is she didn't wake up. And I can't imagine being a parent and having to experience something like that. But it got me to thinking about our own lives. About what would happen if we went to bed and the next morning we didn't get up. The Bible plainly tells us there that life is short. That we have no promise of tomorrow. In James chapter 4 and verse 14, it says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow for your life, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. So the fact of the matter, as long as we live here on this earth, it doesn't matter how long it is, it's just as a vapor. And when you look at the span of time, we realize that we're just a little blip on that, on that time to, uh, 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 sheet. But we need to understand that what we're doing today does matter. And how we live our life is something that is very important. Because we need to understand that there will be a day that we don't get up on the, on the tomorrow. We're, going to get up, we're not going to get up that day. And in Luke chapter 12 and verse 19, we find, And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? It's so easy for us to get caught up in the affairs of this life, looking at the possessions that we have, the belongings that we have, and thinking that that's all we need in order to survive in this world. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that money's not important and possessions aren't important. Some of those things are important to us. But we also need to realize that our responsibility in this life is to be prepared for the end of life, that when we stand before our Maker, that we are prepared for that occasion. That individual that Jesus is talking about there in Luke had tore down his barns and built bigger barns, and he was going to sit back and take it easy. And he didn't realize that that night, that very night, his soul would be required of him. And then the important question is asked, then who shall those things be? We realize that 
when we die, we're not taking any of those things with us that we sometimes think are so important. And so we need to understand that there is more to life than those possessions. And so we realize that if we don't wake up tomorrow, the question I want to ask is, where would we spend eternity? Where would you spend eternity? And the only way to the Father, we know, is through Jesus Christ. You see, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells us that there's two roads, one straight and narrow, one's broad. And we realize that if we're on that straight and narrow road, it may not be easy to travel, but it is worth what we need to go through in this life because in the end, we're going to have that home in heaven. That broad road is easy to travel. There's a lot of people on that road. And there's a lot of people that are saying, come on over and get on this road because it's easy. But the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us, that that road leads to destruction. And so we need to understand that, that Jesus is the way to heaven. That we have to follow His way. We have to do what he's want, He wants us to do. He tells us in John chapter 14, and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. There's no other way to get to heaven except through Jesus Christ. I hear people say, well, you go your way, I'll go my way, and we'll all get to the same place. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is telling us that there's only one way to get to heaven. And we need to strive to the best of our ability to do what the Bible teaches that we need to do in worship and in service to Him on a daily basis. If our name is not written in that book, in the Lamb's book of life, the Bible plainly tells us that we're not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. In Revelation chapter 20, beginning in verse 11, it says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to his works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, which this is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. In those verses of Scripture, we see a, a judgment scene. We see that great white throne. It's just something that we need to understand that we're all going to appear before that judgment seat. There's no missing it. There's no escaping it. As it tells us, we're all going to stand there and we're all going to give an account of our lives. And that's why it's so important that we live a faithful life while we're here on this earth. Sure, we're going to sin. Sure, we make mistakes. But we also need to realize that God has provided a way that as a Christian, we can come back and make things right. And the other thing that's important, if you want your name written in that book, He tells us what we need to do in order to get it written in that book, what we need to do in order to be saved. Jesus made it very simple in Mark 16, 15, and 16 when He told His disciples to go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Now we see that practice in many different places in the book of Acts. Because in the book of Acts, we see the book of conversions. And on the day of Pentecost, when Peter stood up with the other apostles and he began to preach, what did he preach? The Gospel of Jesus Christ. What is that Gospel? The fact that Jesus died for our sins, that He was buried, and that He arose victorious over the grave. And when Peter told them that by their wicked hands on that occasion that they had crucified Christ, they cried out, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter answered and said unto them, 
Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That gift is, is salvation. And when we're obedient to God's will, we're going to have our names written in the Lamb's book of life. Then if our name is not written in that book, then heaven is not going to be our home. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 27, it says, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus came to this earth so that we could have the forgiveness of sin. In Romans chapter 6, we see a picture of what that death, burial, and resurrection represents. When Jesus died, He was laid in the tomb and He arose victorious before the grave on the third day. When we obey the Gospel, we go down into that watery grave. Because in the New Testament, we see that baptism is in water. It's an immersion. That's what the word means. And so when we go down in that water, we go down a sinner, we come up out of that water a new creature. We rise to walk in newness of life. And so that's when we are obedient to God's will. And that's what makes us a Christian. That's what makes us uh, gets our name written in the Lamb's book of life, being obedient to that gospel of Jesus Christ. If someone is a Christian, we need to understand, we need to know that heaven is within our grasp. Think about all the things in your life that you've experienced. Think of some of those things that you had an opportunity to take advantage of and you did not seize that opportunity. Maybe it was something that would have made you more wealthy or richer. Maybe it was something that was better for your health. Maybe it was something that would be good for just for yourself. But you didn't follow through on it. It was within your grasp, but you let it slip away. We don't want heaven to be like that. I hear people talk about once saved, always saved. I'm saved, but I can cause myself to be lost when I go astray from God's will. When I walk contrary to His way, it can cause me to be lost. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. And what shall we say then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up from us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is He that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus loves us. God loved us. And He sent His Son to this earth to die for our sins. And as long as we're faithful to Him, there's nothing that can separate us from God. You've seen that long list. You've seen all the things that Paul mentioned that cannot separate us from the love of God. But did you notice there's one thing that's not mentioned? I can separate myself from the love of God. 
I can separate myself from the love of Christ. How do I do that when I've obeyed the Gospel, but then I turn and go back into the world and start doing the things that I used to do? Start living according to the world as opposed to living to God's will. Again, heaven was within my grasp. But I chose to look at the world. And I chose to go back into that world and be unfaithful to my Lord. Jesus died so that we could have eternal life. Jesus died so that you could have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. But also remember that once we obey that Gospel, heaven's within our grasp. So don't do something that's going to jeopardize it. Remain faithful to our Lord. And if you don't make it, it's not because God gave up on you, but it's because you gave up on God. You turned your back on God. You walked away from God. The Scripture tells us that Demas had left Paul. And the Scripture tells us, or Paul tells us in the Scripture, that it was because he loved this present world. How sad it is to know that we have something out there that God has prepared for us. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I want you to think about that place. It's been prepared for you and me. Jesus has gone to prepare it for us. And when I look at the things of nature that God created, we see the beauty that God has given us. Can you imagine how beautiful heaven must be? When you look in the book of Revelation, we know that there's figurative language there. But those are the kinds of words talking about gold and all the precious stones. All of those things are a description to help us to try to understand how beautiful that place may be. And you know, without the gold, without the precious stones and all those things that are used in Revelation to describe that, that place that's been prepared for us, what makes it really worthwhile is that God will be there. That Jesus will be there. That the Holy Spirit will be there. And hopefully you and I will be there. That's the joy of the place that God has prepared for us. And I hope that you want to go. And how sad it would be to know that that was within our grasp and we chose something on this lowly earth, something that's not going to last, something that's not going, that, that is not eternal, but we choose to, that over what God has prepared for us. Can you imagine the agony <clears throat> of spending eternity separated from God, knowing that you had it within your hand, within your grasp? What a regret that would be to know it was there and you let it slip away. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10, for it became him for whom all are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of our salvation perfect through suffering. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. And it goes on in that context and it talks about what we need to do, that we need to confess our sin to God. But notice it's talking about walking in the light. 
The Christian walks in the light as God is in the light. Now, there is no darkness in God, but sometimes we sin. And the Scripture in that context goes on to say, if we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And we make God a liar. And so we're never so perfect that we don't need the blood of Christ. We're never so perfect that we can't say, that we could say, God, You've got to give it to me because I've earned it. I need, You need, we all need the blood of Christ to cleanse us. And it's that blood that initially washes away our sin through the act of baptism, and it's that blood that continually cleanses us when we take or when we confess our sin to God and repent of those things and turn away from them. It's first John chapter two and verse one, my little children, these things are right unto you that ye sin not, but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ, the righteous. Think about that. We have Jesus. He's pleading our case for us. He's our advocate. He's there working for us. And we need to appreciate that. And as it says there, He wrote those things that we sin not. He doesn't want us to sin. You might go back to Romans chapter 5 and chapter 6, and it seems that those those members of that congregation thought that the more they sinned, the more grace that they would receive. And it was when Paul said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Why would we want to continue to live in sin when we've been bought with a price, that precious blood of Jesus Christ? We've had our sins washed away. Why would we want to go back into the world? But here's another question. You might make it tomorrow. And if you woke up tomorrow... How are you going to spend the rest of your life? In Philippians chapter 1, verse, beginning of verse 21, I think we see that Paul's kind of in that dilemma. He says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in a flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet, what shall I choose? I want not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. We may get up tomorrow. We've talked about if we don't get up, where are we going to spend eternity? If we do get up tomorrow, that's the question. If we do get up tomorrow, what are we going to be doing? Jesus or uh, Paul makes it very, very plain. He wants to go and be with Christ, but if He's going to be here tomorrow, then guess what He's going to do? He's going to let Christ live in Him. How many of us have that desire every day of our lives to let people see Christ living in our own lives? That means we're acting like Christ. We're doing the things that Christ would want us to do. Are we doing that? Are we about good works like Jesus was? In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God appointed, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now certainly we see there that Jesus was one that went about doing good and He healed those that were oppressed by the devil. Now we're not going to do any miraculous healing. We're not going to cast out any demons. We're not going to raise the dead. We're not going to make someone walk that is is incapable of walking. But as we go out into the world, guess what? 
We can help people to get out of that sinful condition that they may be in. We can help people to see the hope that they could have in Jesus Christ. That's our mission, to take the Gospel out into the world, sow those seeds that Jesus wants us to plant. And maybe sometime later we water or someone else comes along and waters, but it's God that gives the increase. And so how many of us tomorrow morning when we get up are going to be going about doing good? In Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 6, Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all these things, showing thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity. How are you going to live your life? Young people, how are you going to live your life tomorrow morning when you get up? If you get up tomorrow morning, how are you going to live your life? Are you going to be an example to people around you of what is right and what is good? Or are you going to act like everyone else out there in the world that doesn't even care about Jesus, doesn't care about God, doesn't care about the church, doesn't care about what they're doing? In Titus chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Are we looking for the Lord to return? Do we have that attitude, Lord, You could come right now and I would be happy? Or would it be, Lord, could You put it off a little bit because I'm not quite ready? Could You put it off a little bit because there's some wild oats I want to sow? Could You put it off just a little bit because there's certain things I'd like to do? Are we looking forward to the Lord's return? And are we that peculiar people zealous of good works, eager to do those things, in a hurry to do those things that the Lord wants us to do because we love Him and we care about people and their souls. In Titus chapter 3 and verse 8, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Chapter 3, verse 14 of the same book, Titus, and let, ours, and let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they be not unfruitful. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, for by grace we are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before, before ordained that we should walk in them. There are people in the religious world that says, you don't have to do anything. Works aren't going to do you any good. I can't do enough work to tell God He has to save me. But He can tell me I haven't worked enough. That I haven't lived up to my responsibility that I haven't done what I've been told to do or what He expects me to do. You see, we are saved by grace. God's grace is the plan that He's given us so that you and I could be saved, so that you and I could have our name written in that book. That's the grace that God extends to us. Here's the plan. This is what you've got to do. By faith, 
I either believe that plan, which is part of believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I either believe that or I don't. And if I believe that, then that motivates me or moves me to do what the Lord has told me to do. And He expects me to live up to the responsibilities of a Christian. In Mark chapter 9, and verse 41, "...for whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in My name, because ye belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward." A cup of water. That's not a whole lot, is it? But the Lord expects us. He wants us to help people. To save people by preaching the Gospel. The Gospel is the power of God unto salvation. We don't save them. We plant the seeds. It's the Gospel that changes the hearts of men and women. That's what we need to be doing. And just something as simple as offering a glass of water in His name means we're not going to lose our reward. What are we doing? You see, sometimes we look and we say, well, let somebody else do it. The question is, what if nobody does it? You see, we have a responsibility to do good regardless of what everyone else is doing. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, "...be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God." Don't be like the world. The world is full of greed, selfishness, pride, a lot of other things that are contrary to God's Word. But let us strive to be what God wants us to be. Let us conform to His Word so that if we died tonight, we know that we would have that home in heaven. But if we live tomorrow, let us know that we're going to serve the Lord and let Christ be seen in our lives. So how would you answer those two situations? I can't think of any two situations that can get our heart pumping more so. Because our lives depend upon the answer to those questions. And if I died tonight, where would I spend eternity? But if I live tomorrow, what am I going to do to serve my Lord? Obviously, you woke up today, haven't been given another day to live. How did you use it? How have you spent your day? Sometimes I look back and I think of all the times that I've wasted. And I'm sure all of us could say those things. But what are we doing for Christ? What are we doing to change our lives to be more productive in service to Him? Tonight, if you're not a Christian, I've told told you what we need to do in order to be saved. Jesus made it very simple when He said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. What do I need to believe? I need to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I need to understand that He died on a cross to save my soul, to have my sins washed away by His precious blood, and that He was laid in a tomb, and that He arose victorious on the third day. And once I believe those things, I need to continue on down that road 
to repentance where I turn away from sin and now I'm going to put my trust and faith in God. And be putting my trust and faith in Him, I'm going to confess His name before men. None of that puts me into Christ. The only thing that puts me into Christ is baptism. Baptism is what puts us into the body of Christ and it's where salvation is found. It's in the church. Just like Noah had to go in the ark, we got to be a part of the church, the Lord's church, in order to be saved. You can do that tonight. We have clothes. We have water. We have all the things that are necessary. And you can be baptized into Christ tonight. Or maybe you are a Christian and you're not living like you should. I would encourage you to make changes in your life. And if there's things that you need to do privately with God, then you take care of it privately with God. If there's something that you need our help with, we're here to help and serve you in any way that we can. We want everyone to go to heaven. And I hope that that's your desire. So tonight, if you need to respond to the invitation, you can come and have a seat up here on the front row while we stand and sing.